Give it up for Jesus, guys. Woo! Amen, amen, amen. Now, uh, like, I've been, like I said last week, um, I want to call up some of the youth that I've been uh, kind of really evangelizing at their schools and prepping for See You at the Poll. Last week, we had Jason, the man of the hour of power, give a testimony of what God was doing at Schur's High School. He's about to blow it up. Y'all ain't ready. Um, and then this week, we have a special, special youth, Cielo, who's doing big things for God at Taft. I want her to come up. <laughs> Amen. So uh, just share a quick testimony of uh, maybe some of the things God's doing at, at Taft. And then after that, just say a prayer for the schools that God would just move in a powerful way. Um, well, first of all, um, I want to start. Uh, I had a dream about me being in Taft in the auditorium. And um, there was a bunch of people, right? And I was preaching. So it's kind of weird because I'm like a really shy person, right? So um, I'm going to start doing my, my own club. And... <laughs> Um, and, like, today um, I went and asked the teacher, you know, that I wanted to do my, my club and I needed a sponsor. And she was like, okay, so what type of club do you want to make? And I said, oh, a Christian club. She was like, what? There's already a Christian club. And I said, oh. And <laughs> I was like, okay. And um, I didn't know. Okay, so um, I felt in my heart that the teacher that will sponsor my club was Miss Luna. That's her name. And she's from South Korea, so she doesn't, I thought she didn't know about God. So um, when the teacher told me that there was a Christian club, and he, has, and he told me, oh, and the sponsor is Miss Luna. So I, I, I don't know how it happened. Like, and I, was, I was actually impressed. And I, I went with her, and, and I told her, okay, I want to join the club since it's already um, what's already there. And she told me, oh, well, we're looking for a leader. And... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah. Padre Santo, solamente te quiero agradecer de que me hayas dado otro día con vida. Um, Dios mío, simplemente le quiero pedir que por favor uh, me ayude y me dé más valentía para poder este, estar en la escuela y poder predicar de tu palabra. Que haya más gente que venga hacia ti, que corra hacia ti, que sepa que, um, que contigo es, es la luz y que no solamente sea yo, pero que manes más trabajadores para, para estar ahí en la escuela y que vayamos a predicar de tu palabra, Señor. Que ellos vean que somos la luz y que ellos también sean salvos y que no solamente seamos nosotros, pero que haya más gente que venga. En nombre de Jesús. Amén. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Awesomeness. All right, if we can all open up our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I can't tell you guys how excited I am to uh, hear what God is doing in the high schools and the Christian clubs. And it just, it just encourages me that God's not done with Chicago. Amen. You know, God has so many big plans for this city, 
for our youth and for our generation, but we have to be willing to stand up. We have to be willing to step out and step out of our comfort zone. We have to be willing to make a sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. It's not always the uh, easiest thing for us to do. Sometimes it's easier for us to just join a gymnasium club or whatever and do cartwheels and that be our whole entire high school experience. But God is looking for people, messengers, people who are willing to step out for the sake of the gospel, to proclaim the word, to, to, to sacrifice themselves, their time, so that souls might be saved. Amen? And, I just, and, and it's just awesome seeing people like Jason and Cielo, and we'll hear from somebody else next week. We'll see who it is. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I'm telling you guys, God is looking for people who are willing. People who are willing. People who are willing to say yes. That's all it takes. All it takes is for you to say yes in your heart. Yes, God, I will go. Yes, Lord, I will step out. Yes, God, I will evangelize. I'll preach the gospel. Just this past Tuesday, me and uh, Josh and Will, we were at Espita High School, and God was doing big things over there. Amen. You can give it up. God is doing amazing things, but guys, are you, do you want to get on board with what God is doing, or do you want to stay in your seat and miss all the things that are happening and going on? You can be a part of it. God wants you to be a part of it, and he's inviting you to take part in what he's doing in this grand scheme of, 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 of just the, the, the vision he has for this city. I mean, the dream that Cielo had, a high school auditorium in Taft filled with people, youth, and Cielo preaching the gospel. Think about if that actually happened. A whole entire auditorium in a high school, in a secular institution, filled with youth, filled with youth, just praising God, worshiping God, having an elevate in Schur's Auditorium, having an elevate in a Lakeview Auditorium, guys. This can happen. This can happen, but we have to be willing. We have to come before the Lord with open arms and say, God, use me. Amen. That has to be our heart, but if we don't have that heart, we're going to miss it. And we won't see the things that God wants us to see. We won't see souls getting saved. We won't see miracles happening. We have to be willing to step out in faith. Amen. If we can all bow our heads and close our eyes, I just want to pray a second time just before we dive into this uh, message here. Father God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. And I pray and ask you, God, that you would just release in us, God, a boldness to preach your word. I pray and ask you, God, that you would fill us with, with desire, God, to see souls saved, Lord God, that we would be willing to stand up, God, and make the difference, Lord God. Even if no one else is standing up, God, even if no one else is answering the call, God, we will, Lord. Holy Spirit, use us, God, even now as we speak, Lord God. I pray that your presence would come, God. I thank you that your presence is already here, Lord. Lord, we, 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 we lean into you, God. We listen to what you have to say tonight, Lord God. Use us, Lord. Speak to us tonight, Lord God. We give you our attention, Lord God. We give you our focus, Jesus. You're the reason why we're here, God. No other reason, Lord God. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Some of you guys might have uh, heard of this story before, um, maybe for the hundredth time or maybe for the first time. But I believe uh, this is definitely something that God's been putting on my heart for this hour. Um, if we can start in verse 1. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled in or at so Soko in Judah. They pitched camp in Ephes, thank you, and uh, they pitched camp in Ephes and Damin, Damin, there we go, okay, funny word there, between Sokol and Azekah. Verse 2, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. 
The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. So obviously, as we can see here, there's two opposing sides, the Israelites and the Philistines. One side, the Israelites, they're on one mountain, and then there's a valley, and then there's the Philistines on the other mountain. They're gathering their forces together. They're uh, preparing for battle. They pitch their tents. They're getting ready for the, just a, a showdown. Something's about to happen. Something's about to go down. Both of them are ready. Both sides are ready to fight and engage in battle. They're excited. Their adrenaline is pumping, right? And then all of a sudden, verse 4, we see a champion named Goliath. Out of nowhere, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, comes out, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels, about 125 pounds. That's heavy, heavy armor. That's heavy. That's, that's legit stuff right there. Um, verse 6, on his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a reaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. The Israelites are standing there. They're getting ready for battle. And all of a sudden, the Philistines pull this trump card out of nowhere. They're probably thinking, okay, we got this. We see their troops. They have swords. They have spears. But we got some swords and spears too. This is going to be an even match. We'll probably have the upper hand. No problem. No worries. And then all of a sudden, this huge, ginormous giant comes out of nowhere. I can just imagine some of the Israelites thinking to themselves, wait a minute. That wasn't supposed to happen. Hold on a second. Our general didn't. Uh, inform us that there would be a humongous giant with a shield the size of who knows how big, uh, armor weighing 125 pounds. We, we weren't informed about this. Nobody gave us the memo that this was going to happen. The Goliath just appears out of nowhere, just with his sword and his spear and his helmet, just looking all mon mon like a monstrosity. And the Israelites, obviously, they see this happening, and they're a little intimidated. In verse 8, it says, Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel. Goliath stands up, he appears, he makes his appearance onto the mountain, and he starts shouting at the Israelites. He starts shouting insults at them. He starts ridiculing them. He starts mocking them. He says, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. He's putting out a challenge for the Israelites. He's saying, look, guys, send your best man to me, whoever it is. Come. I'm challenging the whole army of Israel. I will defy the armies of Israel this day. This day I will put you all to shame. I will destroy all of you. Send one man, and let's see how he fares against my, my ability my fighting skills. Let's see what happens. Let's see what goes down. He puts this open invitation, this open challenge for any soldier to come and, and, and fight him and give it their best shot. And of course, the people of Israel are not too excited about this. Continuing on, though, in verse 9, it says, if he is able to fight and kill me, well, I think I already said that. There we go. Okay, on 11, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. They were dismayed and they were terrified. The Israelites see this giant, see this, this Goliath out of nowhere. This person they were not informed of wasn't a part of the plan. Hold on, what's going on? They were dismayed. They were terrified. They're getting shouted at. They're getting insult, insulted. They're saying that he's going to defy everything they're about. Their whole entire army is about to be defied. 
is about to be uh, uphanded by this man, Goliath. They're dismayed. They're terrified. They're confused. They don't know what to make of this. They see this man approaching, and they don't know what to do. This wasn't in the plan. This wasn't factored in. This was something outside of what they thought was going to happen. They were terrified. They were scared. They were dismayed. This is what's happening on, on the scene in the battlefield in these two mountains. This is the scenario that the Bible's uh, uh, painting for us here. But now in verse 12 we see David kind of comes onto the scene here. It says, now David was the son of an Ephrite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. So David's sons, or David's brothers, I should say, Three of David's brothers are now actually in the battle in that uh, scene we just read about. They're there, and so David's just kind of chilling at home, but obviously he has three soldiers, uh, three of his brothers over there, uh, fight, you know, seeing Goliath being intimidated. They're right in the middle of all of that stuff. And so obviously Jesse, the father, uh, David's father, David's uh, the, the father of the three sons out there in the battle line, the father's a little bit concerned. He's wondering what's going on. And so in verse 17, now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. He's sending David off with some food. He's saying, okay, you know what, take, these, take, these, uh, take this bread, this food, all of this stuff, some carry out, go to your brothers, make sure they're okay, feed them, take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit, see how your brothers are, and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Jesse's father wants some confirmation that everything's okay. He, he just wants to make sure they're fine. He hears about this big scenario, this big uh, cumbersome thing going on in the, uh, in the valley, in the mountains. Something's about to go down. He's not sure how his sons are going to fare. He just wants some assurance. So he sends David off with some carryouts, some bread, some other stuff. In modern times, he'd probably send him with some little Caesars. He'd send David off to give it to his brothers, right? And so David's going back now. He, he, he got the instructions from his father. He's going to check up on his, on his three older siblings, right? So David being the youngest, obviously he gets the, the, the duty of doing this. And uh, in verse 20, we see early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, and set out to, to, to see what was going on with his brothers, as Jesse had it directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to battle, to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. Again, we're having the same kind of thing happen. Both troops are going back to their lines. Both troops are assembling. They're kind of going inch and inch uh, to the mountaintop. They're facing each other now. And uh, you can just probably feel the tension if you were there uh, as, the, as the two sides kind of meet up again. And so in uh, verse 21, it says, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. Verse 22, David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were, checking up on them. Verse 23, as he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. So again, both sides are lining up. Both sides are facing each other now. And David kind of happens to stumble along this whole situation right around this time. David starts here. He approaches the battle line. He starts talking to his brothers, making sure everything's okay, just wanting to give some assurance back to his father, Jesse. And all of a sudden, David hears what this man, Goliath, is saying. Right? 
David, he, he goes in the middle of the, of, the, of the battle lines. He's talking to his brothers. And then all of a sudden, he's kind of hearing this shouting, this, this big noise, this rambling. Like he, David just is like, wait, what, what's going on? Hold, hold on a second. David hears this. He hears, Dave, uh, he hears Goliath's intimidation. He hears Goliath's ridicule. He hears Goliath's mockery. Goliath's shouting. And, and, and something about that just, just stopped David in his tracks. And he's like, hold on, who's, who's talking there? Wait a minute, what, what, what's happening right now? What, what, David heard it, right? And then in verse, 20, verse 24, it says, Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? They're starting to get tired of it. Don't you? This guy keeps coming out from the battle lines, this guy Goliath. He comes out to defy Israel. He comes out to, to ridicule us, to, to throw us Oh, you know, on top of our heads, I mean, to just ruin us, to mess us up. He's trying to defy us. He's trying to undermine us. Goliath rising up to the battle line, shouting, ridiculing, mocking the people of Israel to undermine them, to reduce them to, to nothing, to, to, to make them feel like they have no power, like they're powerless, right? And they, Goliath keeps doing this, and, and the Israelites started getting tired of it. They say, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth, though, to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Come on, somebody. That's, that's a good deal right there. Take away the uh, pop tax, soda tax, if I kill Goliath, I'm in. So Saul, you know, he, he, Saul knows about this whole situation with Goliath and, and how intimidating he is. And Saul is trying his best to try and make an appeal to the people of Israel, to the soldiers there. Look, if anybody can, can at least challenge this person, if anybody can step up to the line and face Goliath, if anybody can do that, look, I'll give them, I'll take care of their taxes, I'll give them my daughter in marriage, I'll give them great wealth, all these different things he promises to the man who kills Goliath. They're tired of seeing Goliath over and over again. They're tired of hearing the ridicule. They're tired of hearing the mocking and, 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 and the, 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 uh, the insults and all these things. However, with, with that gift and that offer that Saul gives to the people of Israel, that's still not enough to make the soldiers <laughs> brave enough or give them courage to even uh, come up and face Goliath. So clearly, the, 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 even though, though as great as that offer is, nobody's answering the call. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody wants to do it because they know, hey, if I go against Goliath, my neck is going to be on the line. I'm probably going to die. The chances of me winning a, a battle against Goliath, that's probably not going to fare so well. So nobody chooses to do it. Despite all this, these great things promised, wealth, you know, free from taxes, his daughter in marriage, all these different things, nobody chose, no, nobody wanted to do it still. Because they were so intimidated. They were so gripped with fear. Then all of a sudden, in verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and, and removes this disgrace from Israel? I love that word David uses for, for Goliath right there. He calls him a disgrace. He says, hold on a second. What's, what's Saul going to give to destroy this man Goliath, this disgrace to Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Remember, David heard the insults, he heard the ridicule, and he stops and he's like, hold on a second, who's, who's going to stop this man? Hold on a second, guys, well, none, none of you want to, to fight Goliath? None of you want to come and face him and, and, and fight him and, and, and take him down? 
this disgrace to Israel, this, this, this person who keeps making a mockery of who we are. Nobody's going to stand up. Nobody's going to step out and, and fight him. What's going on? What are you guys thinking? This man is defying Israel. This man is defying God's people. He's a disgrace. How come nobody is standing up and choosing to do something about it? David asked the men standing near him, and they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now, when the older brother, David's older brother, Eliab, hears about this, typical older, older sibling syndrome here kicks in, he says, uh, when Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom do you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited, the older brother calls him conceited, my goodness. He says, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, uh, clearly Eliab's brother is on some, some other page here. He doesn't quite get what's going on. He thinks he already has this bad view of, of David, probably uh, under, you know, underestimating the poor kid ever since he was you know, a baby or something. And he thinks instantly as he sees David talking, he sees David talking to the other men. He's like, man, you, you, you fool, man. Why are you down here? Man, you just came here to stir up trouble, trying to look like a big hot shot. David, just go back to your sheep. You can't do anything. Just, just, just leave us. Why, why are you here? You're conceited. You're wicked. I mean, the brother starts going off. He's, he's triggered. He's just, he's losing it. Eliab is saying all these different things to, to David here. But then in verse 29, David responds, he says, now what have I done, said David, can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Verse 33, let me read that one more time, or verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Think about it. Saul had a numerable amount of soldiers at his disposal. He had many battle lines. He had many forces. He had many soldiers right at this mountain ready to take on the army of the Philistines. It wasn't a couple hundred. It wasn't probably even a couple thousand. It was probably 10,000 or 100,000. Many troops. Big Strong, mighty men carrying swords, shields. This was all they did ever since, you know, uh, ever since when they were young and they started training for this, right? Many well-abled men in Saul's army. Yet none of them in Saul's army were willing to go fight Goliath. They all kept fleeing in fear. They were dismayed. They were terrorized. Not one soldier not one person in Saul's army was willing to make a stand against Goliath. They kept fleeing in fear. They were dismayed. They were terrified, as the, the, the scripture says. But all of a sudden, David comes onto the scene. And he hears the exact same thing all the other troops were hearing. David hears all the same insults, all the same put-downs. He hears all the same junk that Goliath has been spewing at the people of Israel. Yet for some reason, David responds differently. Does he say, oh my gosh, this guy Goliath, he looks so intimidating. Oh my goodness, he looks so huge, he's so big. He has such a huge sword, he has all this armor on him. My goodness, this is, this is crazy. Is that what he says? 
What's the first thing that he says when he, when he hears about this, this Philistine? When he hears the words being, you know, coming out of Goliath's mouth? Verse 25. Let me see. I believe it was here. Verse 25. Let's see. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. David asked me that. There we go. Verse 26. David asked, right, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David sees the Goliath, he hears the insults, he hears the ridicule, and instead of looking at the intimidation, instead of being intimidated by his size and his strength and his weapons of choice, David hears this and he's like, hold on a second, this man is defying God. This man is defying God's people. Hold on a second, Goliath is insulting God's promises to Israel. He's making a mockery of God's chosen people. He thinks he can come against God's armies. Who is this man? Who is this disgrace to Israel? Who is this person that thinks he can even stand against God? This is what David's thinking. This is what's going through David's head. And you see, that was the motivation behind David to come up to Saul, as we later see here. Go before Saul, the, the king, and says, hey, Saul, don't worry about it. I I'll go. I I'll take this guy down. I don't know who he is. I don't know how big he is. I don't know the cubits of his, of his sword or his spear. But all I know is he's defying God. He's making a mockery of God's people. And he's making a disgrace of who you are, of, of, of who Jesus is, of who God is. That's all I know, and that's all I need to know. I'm killing this guy. I'm destroying him. How dare he come against the chosen people of God? How dare he mock the name of the Lord? This is his heart. And this is his motivation to go in and take down Goliath. But remember, did anybody else have that mindset? Did anybody else think like that? Was anybody else saying the same thing? No. They were all cowering away, intimidated with some understanding because they were looking at his appearance. They were looking at the external. They were looking at the outward circumstances. A big man shouting, helmet, sword, breastplate, all these different things. Very intimidating. I'm probably not going to win. But you see, all the other troops that were in Saul's army, for not one second did it cross their mind, hold on a second, this guy's making a disgrace of Israel, is defying God, is defying God's armies, is defying God's people. Hold on a second, who's going to stop him from mocking the living God? None of the other troops said that. None of the other troops had that mindset or said that in their heart. They just stood by. They got scared. They fleed. They ran away. Yet here, a shepherd boy comes onto the scene, hears the exact same thing all the other troops heard, and says, hold on a second, this, this, can't, this can't go on any further. This has to stop. This Goliath, this giant, he can't mock God. He can't mock God's people. How dare he? Wait, nobody, nobody wants to fight him? Nobody wants to challenge him? Hold on a second, what's going on? No, none of you hear what I'm hearing? None of you are hearing that God is being mocked? that God is being made fun of, that God's people are being disgraced and humiliated? No, nobody's hearing that? That's what David's thinking to himself, and he goes to Saul, and he says, look, Saul, okay, I guess nobody else is in. I guess nobody else is, 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 is down for the count to, to, to fight this person. Saul, I'll do it. Your servant will go and fight. Your servant will go and fight him. 
he tells Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Let, let, no, let, let none of the Israelites be discouraged about this guy. Let, let no one lose heart because of this, this Goliath, this Philistine. I'll go and fight him. See, something in David's mind was different than all the others. And something was motivating him to take on this, this Goliath, this giant. Something was motivating him that wasn't motivating any of the other troops and that the other troops did not have. David had something unique here. He was willing to stop the mockery of God. He was willing to stand up and take a stand against this person who kept insulting the name of God and the people of Israel. He said, I'll go. I'll fight him. Now, verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from youth. Again, Saul showing his thinking. Saul showing his mentality, what he's looking for. Saul says, no, uh, David, you're, you're too young. Um, Goliath, he's been a warrior ever since he was young. I don't know if you looked over. He's, 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 he's buff. He's strong. He's, you know, he, he, he has it together. I don't know what you're thinking, David. This guy, he's going to slaughter you. He's going to destroy you. Again, what, is Saul, what does Saul mention in these parts here? He's not talking about what God can do. He's not talking about the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega. He's not talking about who God is. He's not talking about how powerful the Lord is and, and how God can just destroy the whole army if he wanted to. No, he's looking at still the external, the outward. He's saying, no, this, this Goliath, you know, he, he's been a warrior since youth. He's been trained. David, you can't go. Again, his mind is on the, 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 the external, the appearance, the outward things. So Saul tells David, no, I, you, you, come on, the, 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 stacks, the odds are stacked against you. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping the, his father's sheep when a lion or bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. David makes, makes a case for himself against Saul. Look, I mean, I know God's with me, but hey, by the way, I've killed bears. I've killed lions. I've done this type of stuff before. I, I think I got this just physically off of my experience. But also, by the way, Saul, because, okay, let's see, whoop, lost my train of thought here. Verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Why? What's David's reasoning here? Because he has defied the armies of the living God. Because he has defied the armies, because this man is mocking God, because this man thinks he can stand against what God has established, I'm going to take him out just like I did with the lion, just like I did with the bear. It won't be any different. The bear tried to attack one of my sheep. I killed it like that. Here this Goliath, this giant is trying to kill off God's people. God will enable me to kill it as well. Verse 37, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Remember Saul, his thinking and his understanding, he's saying, you know, David, you're, you're, you've been a, Goliath's been a warrior from youth. He has all this power. He has all this strength. David, you can't go up against him. What does David then refer to, though? He starts talking about how God was with him how God rescued him, how God gave him the strength to fight the bear, the lion, all these different things. David puts the focus back on God because he says, no, I know God's with me. I know the circumstances are pretty bad. I know this giant is huge. I know he's very intimidating, but guess what? I, I know God. 
Like I know him, I talk to him, and, and he's been with me, and he's rescued me from different situations in the past. So if he did it then, I, he's going to do it again now. I know God's with me. And I'm not going to let this man defy Israel any longer. Verse 38, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go on in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Again, Saul, showing where his mindset is. What does he do? Does he sit down with David and say, okay, David, you know what? Let's offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Let's pray. Let's consecrate ourselves. Let's fast for a second. Let, let, let's pursue God right now so that, you can be give, give, so that God can give you the strength and the boldness to go and attack this, this giant. What does Saul do? Instead of doing anything spiritual, instead of doing anything showing how faithful God is, he starts putting armor on David. Saul still doesn't get what's going on here. He thinks the answer is in the armor. He thinks the answer is in the physical, material things. David has armor. Well, David, uh, Goliath has armor, so let me put armor on David. Goliath has a sword. Okay, let, let me give a sword to David. Okay, Goliath has a helmet. Okay, let me put my helmet on David. There, there we go. Now, now it's a little bit more even. But David's like, what? No, I don't, I don't need this. You don't understand, so I don't need armor. I don't need material things. I don't need these things to fight, to fight Goliath. I don't need that. Because, again, what does David attribute his victories towards? When he talked about the lion, when he talked about the bear, he said, no, no, no. It wasn't how great and how armored I was, how much swords I had in my pocket. He says, no, no, God rescued me. God gave me the victory. God won the battle for me. He was the one who helped me destroy the lion and the bear. That's where David's mindset was on. He was attributing it to God, but Saul was still thinking in human terms, trying to put on physical armor on David. David said, I, I can't go like this. I can't take on Goliath with these things weighing me down. Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Verse 41, meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer and closer to David. As he looked at David, and he saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with wealth and handsome, and he despised him. Goliath looked and saw this little shepherd boy coming at him. He saw this little guy with a, with a, with a sling and a stone with a little staff in his hand, Goliath sees this, and he thinks this is a joke. He sees this little guy coming at him. He looks at his armor. He looks at his sword. He looks at his shield bearer. And then he looks at David, and he's like, hold on a second. This guy doesn't even have armor on. What kind of warrior is this? What kind of soldier is this that's approaching me that doesn't have armor, that doesn't have a sword, that doesn't have a shield, that doesn't have any of the things that I have? How does he think? that he's going to kill me. Goliath sees this man, David, coming at him. And he says to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David out by his gods. He said, come here, he said, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. He starts trying to intimidate David, right? Goliath knew how to intimidate people. He intimidated the Israelites, the armies, the rest of the soldiers, 
Goliath is probably thinking to himself, well, it worked for them. Hey, it's probably going to work for this dude. He's probably going to get scared out of his mind when I tell him what I'm going to do with his body. I'm going I'm to feed you to the lions. I'm going to throw your flesh to the birds of the air. This is what I'm going to do to you, David. Yet David wasn't shaken by that. Yet David, it, it didn't affect him. It didn't touch him. It didn't phase him. He was getting intimidated just as the other soldiers and troops were getting intimidated, but somehow it wasn't working on David. Somehow David wasn't being shaken by these insults. Somehow when Goliath was insulting and ridiculing David, it wasn't affecting him as it was the other troops. Why was that? Well, in verse 45, David now says to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. See, David understood one thing. He says, look, I don't have a spear. I don't have a sword. I don't have a shield. I don't have any of these things. But what I do have, I have God on my side. I have the Lord with me, the God of the Israelite armies. I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. David knew his God. David knew who he was serving. And he knew that God was with him in this fight and in this battle. And you see, when David understood that, he didn't need a sword. He didn't need some kind of spear or some kind of piece of armor. You see, when David understood who God was, when David understood that God was with him in the situation, that God was present next to him in this battle, in this fight, he didn't care what Goliath did. He didn't care what Goliath said. He didn't care that Goliath was insulting him and threatening him and saying that he was going to throw his flesh to the birds. David didn't care. He didn't care because he knew who was with him. He knew that God was on his side. He knew that the Lord Almighty was going to be with him as he took on this giant. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with swords and spears and javelins, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. David reminds him, yeah, you know what? The people of God that you've defied, those people that are, you've make, been making a mockery of, the God that you've been insulting all this time, you know what? I'm going to defeat you in his name. I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you, Goliath, in the name of the God you've been insulting this whole time. I'm going to defeat you, Goliath, in the name of the God you've been defying and undermining and mocking this whole time. He's going to defeat you. He's going to destroy you. He's going to cut you down. Goliath, still thinking as a warrior, probably doesn't understand what on earth is going on. This little, this little kid, this little teenager is saying all these different things to him. He's probably still thinking, well, I have a chance. I, have, I still have my sword. I still have my armor. Hey, it's, not, it, it's an easy battle. I'm just, I don't know what this kid's talking about, but I'm going to destroy him. I'm going to kill him. In verse 46, it says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. David is still speaking, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Remember, who's going to deliver Goliath into his hands? Verse 46, it says, this day the, everybody say it like you're awake, the, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. The Lord will. David's not putting his trust in swords. He's not putting his trust in spears. He's not putting his trust in these physical things. He's saying, no, God's going to deliver me. God's going to be the one who's going to hand you over to me. See, Saul and the rest of the Israelites were still on this other stuff. 
They, they weren't setting their mind on what God could do, on what God was enabling them to do. The God, God could have given any other, any one of those soldiers victory. Saul, if he, if he got the understanding, if he got the revelation, if Saul went out to, to, to defeat Goliath, he could have said the same thing to Goliath. Saul could have gone up to Goliath and said, I'm going to defeat you in the name of God. And it would have been over like that, and we would have been reading about Saul and Goliath. But no, out of all the troops, out of all the people that were there, nobody was putting their trust in what God could do. Nobody was willing to face the giant because they didn't even know who was on their side. But you see, David comes onto the scene, a shepherd boy, the most unassuming person you could think of. He comes onto the scene, he's like, no, 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 I know who my God is. I know the Lord God Almighty. Goliath, you're mocking him, you're insulting him, you're undermining him, you're ridiculing him and God's people. I don't care. I know God. And I can take you down. Because you think you can destroy Israel, you think you can destroy the people of God, you have no clue who you're dealing with, Goliath. Verse 47, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. Verse 47, guys, get this tonight. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. Amen. Amen. That's something to clap about. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Verse 50, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Then David ran and stood over him and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. You see, guys, David was able to do all of this stuff because he put his faith and his trust in the Lord. He knew God was on his side. He heard the ridicule. He heard the mockery. And he's like, no, 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 hold on a second. How dare you make fun of my God? How dare you disgrace the people of Israel? How dare you disgrace God's chosen people? How dare you come against who God is. Not on my watch, David would say. I'm not going to let this happen in front of me. I'm not just going to allow this random dude. Who is this dude? Who is this disgrace to Israel? I'm not going to allow him to keep making a mockery of my God. And it didn't matter that David didn't have a sword. It didn't matter that David didn't have a shield. It didn't matter that David didn't have any of these weapons of warfare. He knew if I just have God on my side, I can take this man down. Now, the reason why I chose to uh, share on this passage here is I was thinking about just a lot of things we face in school. As a matter of fact, one in particular story came to mind as I was preparing for this, and uh, it was back when I was at Wright College. And I remember I was a freshman there. I was taking the bus there back and forth. I was in the cafeteria. I, I was around the students a lot. You know, I would hear what they talk about, all this different stuff. And one time I was in McDonald's. And I was eating lunch, just chilling, right, just hanging out, eating lunch, probably McChicken because they were a dollar back then. So I was sitting there doing my thing, and I noticed this mom and her two children were sitting at this one table, right? The children were like maybe five and four, 
maybe maybe six and, and four, something like that, around there, right? Probably, maybe, maybe a single mom, maybe not, but a mother and her two kids, two younger kids. They were sitting at one table, and then all of a sudden, this other group of, of uh, well, college students, they come in, and they sit to the table on the other side. And as soon as they sit down at that table, they start just talking about the most perverted stuff. They start saying all these curse words. They start just acting a fool, talking about perversion, sex, drugs, partying, alcohol, all these different things. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, hold on a second. Guys, don't you, don't, you, don't you see that there's this mom with her kids here? What, what are you thinking? Guys, you don't care that there's this family is here and you're just going to talk about whatever you want? Like, you don't have any respect? You don't have, and it, and it dawned on me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. If these people are so unashamed, are so bold, are so proud of their sin, if they're so unashamed about having sex with their girlfriend last night, if they're so unashamed about smoking weed and getting high with a bunch of friends, if they're so unashamed and bold and proud about that, why can't I do the same? Why can't I do the same? How dare these people flaunt their little perverse lifestyle in front of me? And talk about how awesome it is to get drunk and how awesome it is to get high and smoke weed and how good they feel. How dare they? And I just sit here and not say anything? No, I'm going to say something. No, I'm going to stand up. I don't care if nobody else understands. I don't care if none of the other Christians at Wright College at the time, there were some other Christians that were preaching, but it's like there was, it, was very, it was a small minority. And there was definitely Christians that were there that weren't saying anything. And I saw that, and I'm like, man, if these sinners are so bold with their sin, if they're so bold with what they're doing and how they're living and their lifestyle, then why can't I be bold for God? Why can't I be bold for the gospel? Why can't I stake, take a stand on God's word and unashamedly proclaim his truth in my school to my friends? Why can't I do that? And you see, that's kind of the heart that David had. The moment he heard Goliath, it triggered something in him. He got triggered. David got triggered by hearing Goliath's nonsense, by hearing Goliath constantly ridicule, mock, and defy the God of Israel, the God Almighty. He, he got tired. He's like, who is this dude that keeps mocking God, that keeps mocking my God, that keeps insulting him? I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to just sit here and let this man, this giant, just flaunt his, his little party around and say whatever he wants about my God. No, I'm going put to put an end to this right now. And David said no more, and he took a stand. It didn't matter the circumstances. It didn't matter that, David was more, that Goliath was more powerful than David, that Goliath had all this weaponry and was more experienced in all these different things. It didn't matter because David was like, no, you can't defy my God. You cannot defy my God. You cannot be saying these things in front of me. You don't know who I serve. He's God Almighty. He's holy. Don't talk about those things around me. Don't say those words in front of me. I'm not going to laugh at those jokes. I'm not going to listen to that garbage because I serve the God Almighty, because he's holy, because he's righteous, because I know who I serve. And I'm not going to let these little things Defy my God. And I want to encourage you, when you go to your schools in preparation for see you at the poll, you're with your friends, you're hanging out, you're doing these different things. My friends, take a stand for the gospel. 
Don't let your friends and the people around you defy God all they want and you not say anything about it. I mean, come on, guys. Your friends and in high school and middle school and all these different things, guys, we know what goes down. It's not a secret. Maybe it was a secret 30, 40 years ago, but it's not a secret anymore. We have 12-year-olds sending nudes to each other, asking all these crazy perverted questions. Kids getting addicted to, to weed. And man, I, I saw a youth, somebody that somebody that I know who was who's still probably 15, 16, they were getting drunk at a party. And they were acting a fool. And I saw this happening before my eyes, and I'm like, my goodness. This is a youth and he's drunk and he's acting a fool right now. What's going on with our generation? Guys, is anybody willing to take a stand? Is anybody willing to say no? Devil, you can't defy my God. You can't have my generation. You can't steal my generation, devil. I'm going to come against you in the name of God Almighty. I'm going to come against the spirit of perversion. I'm going to come against suicide. I'm going to come against oppression. I'm going to come against just the, 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 the perverted spirit of this age. Is anybody willing to take a stand against that? Or are you going to be like the rest of the Israelites? Whenever they're talking and making their jokes, you just run off in some corner. Or you just stay quiet. They're talking about this crazy thing they did last night. Oh, well, oh, that, that, that sounds cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you just sit there. And you just sit there not doing anything. Guys, if David was in some of your schools, he'd be freaking out. He'd be going crazy. Hearing some of this stuff that, that, that goes on in the, in the classes and, 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 and science or whatever. They'd be like, what? What's going on? David would, I mean, I don't think he'd kill anybody, but he'd be going crazy. He'd be like, no, you can't do this. You can't do it. How dare you defy my God in this school? You don't know who runs the earth. You don't know who runs the universe. You don't know who holds all of heaven together. This was David's heart. He knew it. He understood it. And he was willing to take a stand for it. Are you willing to take a stand for it? Daryl, if you can come up to the keys. I'm telling you guys, there's so many different things mounting against our generation. Our generation is under attack. The devil's doing so much chaos in our, in our day. It's getting worse and worse. And God is looking for people who are willing to say enough is enough. How dare the devil try and take my generation away? How dare atheism be taught in my schools? How dare perversion and swearing and cursing is so just, just so prevalent in our school? How dare that happen? Not on my watch. Who's willing to take a stand against profanity in this place? Come on, somebody. Who's willing to say no? No more profanity in my school. As long as I go to Lakeview, as long as I go to Shirts, as long as I go to Taft, there will not be profanity. There will not be perversion. I know it's radical, but we serve a radical God. Is anybody willing to take that stand and say enough is enough? Or are you going to sit back and watch and run away? And be afraid. And try and think of it on human terms. Well, maybe if I just be their friend, then they'll eventually come to church somehow. Maybe, maybe if I just smile at them, they'll, they'll, they'll stop. Maybe if I just say nothing, they'll get convicted somehow. Like some weird, you know, trans-dimensional thing happens where it's like, I don't say anything. And somehow that makes them like stop sinning. Like, woo, you know. Guys, you need to stand up. If you, want, if you want to see God do something, if you want to see this end, if you want to see the violence end in our city, you got somebody has to stand up. Somebody has to do something. Somebody has to say, not on my watch. Not on my block will another person be shot. Come on, somebody. 
And how do we fight this battle? We fight it with prayer. We fight it with the word. We fight it with God at our side. We put our trust in Jesus. And no matter what the mountain, no matter what the Goliath, no matter what the giant, no matter what perverse nonsense the world is throwing at us, we take a stand with God. And we say, not on my watch. Not on my watch. This isn't going to happen. My family will not go to hell. My mom will not go to hell. My dad will not go to hell. My brother, my sister, they're not going to be perverse anymore. They're not going to be lost. They're not going to be depressed anymore. I'm going to do something about it. Somebody has to wake up one day and say, no, not on my watch. I'm not going to let the devil defy my family. I'm not going to let the devil defy my friends. I'm not going to let the devil defy my generation. If we can all stand. Let's just close our eyes in this place. Father, we invite you to come. God, give us courage, Lord God, to be like David. God, some of us don't know how to speak up, Lord. God, our own best friend could be cursing up a storm in us and us, and us just sit there and not say anything. Our family member, God, our mom could be talking about how depressed she is, Lord, and we just sit there, God, not saying anything, Lord. Holy Spirit, search our hearts right now. Search our hearts right now, God, in the places that we haven't stood up, God, in the places that we haven't taken a stand, Lord. Show us, God, right now. Some of you guys need to take a stand for your brothers. Some of you need to take a stand for your sisters. Some of you need to get that heart cry in your heart that David had and said, no, no, the devil will not defy my family. The devil will not defy my God in my family. The devil can't have my family. The devil can't have my school. I'm going to stand up and proclaim the truth of Jesus. I'm not going to sit quietly and let these things happen. I'm going to do something about it. God, show us what we need to do, Lord. Just let the Holy Spirit tell you. Let the Holy Spirit show you. the Holy Spirit show you in this place. Just talk to the Holy Spirit. Just ask Him right now. Just say, Holy Spirit, God, what do you want me to stand up in? What areas have I been quiet in, Lord? What areas of my life, God, have I not been saying anything in, Lord? What areas of my life have I been just sitting by and watching things happen? Ask the Lord that, because he'll tell you. The Lord will tell you. The Lord will show you people. He'll show you faces. He'll show you family members. He'll show you friends. He'll show you people that you need to start, start, start standing up for before the Lord, that you need to start reaching out to. Oh, I want to read ver, uh, David's, David's words in verse 47 one more time. It says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. How many of you guys want that to be your heart cry? Who's praying this over their family? It's not by medication. 
It's not by counseling. It's not by this or that. No, it's by the Lord. It's by the Lord that he rescues us. It's by the Lord that school is transferred. It's by the Lord that my mom gets saved. Guys, do we understand this? Yes, Lord. Amen. God, come, Lord God, right now. If you felt that word was for you, and you just want to take a stand for the gospel, and you just want to be like David in that sense and say, no, enough is enough. I'm not going to let these things keep happening in front of me. I'm going to do something about it. Tonight's a night of action, guys. I want to hear testimonies of you going up to friends, going up to family, going up to people in your life, and tell them. Unlike the years that you saw it happen, but you didn't say anything, but this time it's different. You're going to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to tell them about Jesus. You're going to tell them about what God can do. You're not going to sit back and watch the devil wreak havoc on their life. If that's for you, I want you to come up to these altars. I want you to come up to these altars. If you want to make a dedication in your heart to say, I'm not going to sit by and watch things happen anymore. I'm not going to run away in fear. If that's you, I want you to come up to these altars. We're going to still have, uh, we're actually going to have two altar workers on both sides. If the altar workers could come up. If you guys want to just uh, have an altar worker pray for you personally, and you have something going on that you want to talk to them about, uh, they'll be here for you in this time. But for everybody else, if you just want to be at the altar and go after God and just make a dedication in your heart to tell the Lord that you're not going to sit back anymore, I want you to come up to these altars right now. We have altar workers available for you if you want it. But for everybody else, if you just want to go after God, you're more than welcome to. Holy Spirit, we say, God, never again, Lord. We will not let things happen, Lord God, in front of our eyes, God. We will not let the devil, God, make a disgrace, God, of our nation. We will not let the devil make a disgrace of our city. We will not let the devil make a disgrace of our school, God. Our schools will not be known for its violence. Our schools will not be known for its perversion, God. Holy Spirit, show us, God. Show us how we can make a stand for you, Lord. some of you in this place, the devil's been trying to make a disgrace out of you. The devil's been trying to humiliate you. The devil's been trying to ridicule you and accuse you and tear you down. For some of you in this place, the devil has been trying to tear you down and undermine you. And the devil's been trying to mock you and make a disgrace out of you. 
God's saying, let me fight your battles. God's saying, let me fight the battles that you have in your life right now. Come to me. Allow me to fight with you. Don't let the devil ridicule you in this one area. Take a stand in your own life. Say no more. Partner with God and let him fight your battles and, 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 and win and have victory.